Hey, trivia fans! Looking for an exciting and unforgettable way to add some fun and friendly competition to your events or team-building sessions? Last Call Trivia has you covered. Our unique web-based app allows players to participate individually or as a team, making it easier than ever to bring people together, spark curiosity, create connections, and make lasting memories. Host your own trivia anytime with our new subscription and experience the best in interactive entertainment. Even remote attendees can play along. Check out lastcalltrivia.com forward slash shop for more information. Welcome to the Last Call Trivia Podcast. I'm your trivia host, James Flippin, and I'm so happy to have all of our listeners join in on our trivia team today. Our favorite part of Trivia Night is the discussion that the questions spark and the connections that those conversations create. That's why our trivia players will be showing their work and talking through the thought process behind each of their answers as we go along. And speaking of our trivia players, I am joined by the trivia team. Our Instagram followers named them Grandma's Happy Hour. (laughs) And now we'll say hello to a man so masochistic, he reads the Wall Street Journal for fun. It's DJ Taylor. I just, just love it when they hurt me, Daddy. Oh, goodness. You know, we've got something in common there. Hey, she's the Carol Burnett of horror films. We're talking about Kelly Kitko. I don't know how Carol Burnett is going to feel about that comparison, but I will take it. (laughs) I think you should take it. Absolutely. Okay. And he's got the looks of Steve Buscemi, the height of Tom Cruise, and the morals of Lindsay Lohan. It's Omen Thomas Sade. As Chaka Khan said, James, I'm every woman. It's all in me. (laughs) You know, I am so jealous that you, A, quoted Chaka Khan, B, used that bar in doing so. Okay, in today's podcast, we'll be challenging the Last Call Trivia team with questions that previously appeared in Last Call Trivia shows in bars and restaurants all around the country. Our podcast show has two rounds of trivia, three questions per round, as well as a bonus question in between the two rounds, and then a final question that closes out the game. Before we get there, a quick reminder. If you enjoyed today's show, do us a favor and leave us a five-star rating on your streaming service of choice. If you'd like to learn more about all of Last Call Trivia's products and services, visit lastcalltrivia.com. More ways there to get your trivia fix. And let's start off with round number one. I will read each question aloud, and then DJ Kelly and Omen, Grandma's Happy Hour, have three minutes to discuss and decide on an answer. In terms of that three-minute countdown, you may hear me say, last call, that means they have 30 seconds left. And within that three minutes, the team needs to say their answer. They also need to give me their point wager. And the options in round one are six points, three points, or one point. They can only use each wager once per round. The categories for round number one are Kelly's favorite, (gasps) alcohol. I thought you were being serious. James. (laughs) Omen's favorite, fashion. Oh. And fairy tales. Oh. Alcohol, fashion, and fairy tales. What an eclectic mix. 
Fun. Here's the alcohol question. Meaning good in Tahitian, what purportedly Polynesian cocktail is actually a California concoction from Trader Vic's? Oh. Wow. Interesting. So its name does mean good in Tahitian, but it is not Tahitian. It is Californian and was possibly invented at Trader Vic's, which is, I believe, one of the oldest tiki bars or one of the original tiki bars. Right. Didn't they pioneer kind of that concept, the beach bum tiki bar sort of vibe? If we don't know the answer off the top of our head, is it in the song Werewolves of London? (laughs) There's a a line and James is looking at me like I'm insane. There's a line in the song. We're all looking at you like you're insane, Kelly. There's a line in that song about Trader Vic's. I'd like to do something at Trader Vic's. Which might reference the cocktail. Just a thought. Do you, do you remember what the something is? Well, don't you think I would have led with that? <laughs> I'd like to... Oh, shoot. Get my kicks? No, no, no. I'd like to... Uh, trade over. Pick um, up six. No, it, it doesn't necessarily rhyme. That's part <laughs> Root for the New York Knicks? That's it. That's <laughs> All right, you guys. Okay, let's take, let's take a different tactic. I think yeah. there's a lot of French influence in Tahiti. So, language-wise, could it be something that sounds... so French? Yeah, French for good, like bon, would, buen, yeah. bon. I can't think of a cocktail that begins with bon. I don't um, think that that would be the case, though, because it, it said it means good in Tahitian. So, yeah. even if there well, is I a linguistic the influence... Like, no, I, like I, I can't speak Tahitian, so I was trying to think of something that was similar. I mean, there's a... There's a Mai Tai. That's something. I think it's... That's, that's my guess. That's my guess, too. That was the first thing that popped into mind. Because I have heard that Mai Tai means something, and I think it <laughs> means it good. Mean good? <laughs> yeah, I think it does mean that. I don't remember how to make a Mai Tai. I've never really had one. But I feel like it's fruit juice and rum, but I could I be mean, making that up. I don't know enough about cocktails to say anything about this, but the only thing that resonates with me is that it definitely has the Trader Vic's Feeling? Aesthetic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anything else that we can think of as a cocktail that would exist in a tiki bar? Let's I mean, the think. Mai Tai is like the classic, you know, tiki bar example, right? Like you, right. you picture a Beach Boys song playing in the background and a tiki bar and Last call. I mean, a Mai Tai is what I envision. In the Pina Colada family with like fruit the, those and are coconut. Car- those are Caribbean, though. This would have to be a Pacific. Well, I, I think we should like island. Yeah, I think I we should go Mai Tai. I think we should go one tiny umbrella on Mai Tai. Really? I was thinking three. We could go three, well, but I'm feeling Omen's good about fashion, fashion and fairy tales. And I feel good about fairy tales. I don't know. We can go three. That's fine with me. Split the difference. Three Mai Tais on Mai Tai. One for each of us, except for uh, Kelly, because she doesn't drink. Kelly's will be a virgin Mai Tai. That's there you go. Have. Uh, just right, fruit juice in a fancy glass. Exactly. <laughs> and some brown food coloring for some odd reason. <laughs> alcohol. Meaning good in Tahitian, what purportedly Polynesian cocktail is actually a California concoction from Trader Vic's? For three points, you guys say Mai Tai. The answer? Mai Tai. Yes. yes. Nice. I knew it. And yeah, that actually is made of rum. Not surprisingly, okay. usually two different kinds, I believe. Curacao liquor, Orgiat syrup, which apparently is 
some sort of almond syrup. Yeah. And then lime juice. Oh. Mm. And like you guys said, certainly one of the characteristic drinks of tiki culture, usually, originally made with rum from either Martinique or Jamaica. So which it is, is certainly a Caribbean. Not of the Polynesian. Yeah. Well, that's what's interesting <laughs> about it is that, yeah. you know, it's supposed to be Polynesian and Pacific and stuff, but they use the rum from the Caribbean. All right, on to fashion now. Known for their Ananatine logo, what American fashion company famous for women's handbags started out making men's leather belts and suspenders in 1975? Can you spell the, logo. The, the questionable? Sure. A-N-A-T-I-N-E. I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure what that what that means the anatine logo is that a word that describes the logo and i just don't know what the word means or is that like part of the name it's a descriptive word yes known for their anatine logo american fashion company famous for women's handbags started out making men's leather belts and suspenders in 1975 it's a u.s company it's american fashion company that is correct they started in 75 with belts and and suspenders right also true okay and can, now they make women's handbags. Down. Now they make women's handbags, or they're famous for making women's handbags. Okay, we can narrow this down. There are not that many really famous handbag companies. It's 1975 that's throwing me, because a lot of them well, go back earlier than that. The first one that came to mind, I think I, I might be too early in the year as opposed to too late, was Kate Spade who passed away recently. That might be too early, though, because didn't she die fairly young? Wasn't she well, and also, 50s? would she have started making men's belts? That seems sure, like a... you start, you make whatever you can make, and then you expand. <laughs> I remember hearing an interview with her. Kate Spade did cross my mind, and I think it's not a bad guess. It crossed uh, my mind, too, but then I was like, I have a hard time imagining Kate she Spade didn't, starting out with men's belts. She didn't. She started making purses for fashion shoots, and she made them out of canvas and things, then eventually upgraded to leather. So I think it's the right time period, but I don't think it's her. There's Coach, uh, which I believe is American, but their logo is literally a Coach wagon, and it, the logo seems to harken back to an earlier time, which maybe that's what Anatine yeah, means. Maybe, maybe it's means almost anachronistic. like anachronistic, like before right. the time. By um, that. And, and that would make sense on a men's belt, too. Yeah. To be t- clear, Coach also makes men's purses. Okay, moving right along. I like Thank Coach as, yeah. a, as a guess. I love Coach. If anyone, you know, my birthday <laughs> is coming up in a short nine months. <laughs> anyone yeah. wants to get me a Coach piece, I would happily receive it. I was going to leave that alone, Omen, but you just waded right into it. So there's Coach. Who else is famous for purses? Birkin? Birkin bags are, are celebrated for their desirability. Louis Vuitton, not American. Not Coco American. Chanel, and way too late. Like in the 1700s. Uh, Gucci, Italian. Yeah. I think Coach is a good answer. I mean, I'm really not sure about the year, but it seems to satisfy all the other. And if I'm thinking about anatine or however you say it, I like the ANA being matched with anachronistic yeah. and teen being matched Last with call. time. So the logo being seemingly farther back than it would be. So do we want to put one point on it and put all of our eggs in one basket for fairy tales? Yes. Let's do it. Let's put one beautifully handcrafted leather man purse on coach. Okay. Fashion. Known for their Anatine logo. 
what American fashion company famous for women's handbags started out making men's leather belts and suspenders in 1975? For one point, you guys say Coach. The answer? Dooney and Burke. Oh, interesting. And I'm Burke. Not familiar with Dooney I, I and Burke. I was going to say, I've, I've not heard of that. And James, do we and have by the a way, definition on anatine? Well, that's the thing. If you guys knew that word, you would know that, which I didn't either before doing some research on the question. That refers to ducks or waterfowl. So they have a duck logo. Oh. That still would have done nothing to help me. That I, I, I question, still, but, yeah, yeah, haven't heard of the brand. Their first but. bags were actually traditional equestrian saddlebags. Oh, interesting. A of fact. Oh. And you can still find sa- samples of those bags at their headquarters in Norwalk, Connecticut. Well, oh. shout out to Randall Monroe. I am one of today's 10,000 because I just learned that for the first time. Woohoo. There you go. All right, moving on from fashion to fairy tales. What fairy tale's French name is La Petite Serin? <laughs> oh, this one's this one's easy. This one, we got this. We got this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, we can three, two, La one. La Petite Serin. Yeah, we got La this. Petite Serin. What's another conceptual name for a siren? What we're about to three, two, one. <laughs> right. The funny thing is that this story is not French in origin. No, so it's no, amusing it's that the question is phrased in such a way. Danish. I'm sorry, you're right, Danish. I mix those two up frequently. And, and I that's, just, that's how the Hundred Years' <laughs> War happened, TJ. I was TJ. just going to say, and I just kicked off another European war. Terribly sorry, friends on the continent. I think we can to do this one. Okay. And that just means that the team is so confident in their answer, they're going to flex a little bit and say it all together at once in trois, deux, un. Oh, wow. French actually, Omen actually said the answer in French. That was something. I said it in a French accent. He didn't say it in French. The the question was in French. So you guys say for the six remaining points that you have here that the answer is the Little Mermaid. And you are correct. Yes. That is, in fact, La Petite Serin is the Little Mermaid. When James said the clue and he said Serin, I I was reading it as C-Y-R, like Cyrano de Bergerac, and wasn't reading it as how it's actually spelled. So that's why it it took me a second because I was thinking of, of a different genre. The fun fact is that the original story is Hans Christian Andersen, which again, I, in my head, frequently flip between Danish and Dutch. That's not as widely known, at least in the United States. I've frequently blown people's minds by sharing that little tidbit. Wait, that it's Danish? No, that Hans Christian Andersen specifically wrote the original story. Well, who does everybody think wrote it? Most people think it's a Disney original. At least that I've encountered. What people are you talking to? No, we don't talk to those people, DJ. (laughs) Uh, our, Omen, our you live in a base. state that is probably surrounded by literally millions of those kinds of people there, Captain. Our listening audience is small but elite in terms of their mentality. Yeah, let's, and I'm okay, sure that let's, all of them knew. Just to put it in brackets or terms, if anybody can name an author of a fairy tale, they're oh. going to be able to say that it's Hans Christian. I mean, that's like, other than the Brothers Grimm, that's the most famous. And I think he's probably the most identifiable. And there's a big mermaid statue in 
We should also say that Hans Christian Andersen didn't so much write all of these stories as collect them and well, adapt write them. them down. The same as the Brothers Grimm. They Other thing we should say is that in the original story, when the sea witch gives Le Petit Sarin the power to walk on land, the trade-off is not only that she loses her voice, but also every step she takes, it feels as if she is walking on hot knives. Right. Hmm. That didn't make it into the Disney version. Which I, I always hey, found disappointing because I, I think I would have enhanced the sacrifice that Ariel was making for her her perceived love. Exactly. You know, before the show, we were talking about Disney a little bit, and I am not such a... <laughs> this is one of the reasons why, because in a lot of these fairy tales, there's, I don't know what the word is for it, like grit or heart that's lost in the whitewashing of the story and I don't mean whitewashing in like the current PC way but in like softening everything to make it nice and sweet and this and that like the real story like DJ just said had something to it that was really meaningful that's that's taken away when everything is just you know beautiful song and dance numbers well in fairness it also has a much darker tone and ending than the version that we've been exposed to via Disney so you know, I sort of think of them as different stories that one one is inspired by the other, but they're really their own their own things. Don't you think that the song Les Poissons, Les Poissons is a little bit dark? <laughs> James, I'm going to kick it back bit. over to you. Otherwise, we're going to never <laughs> be part of your world. Otherwise, I'm going to pitch that we do our own version of the of Le Petit Serene. Who knew Little Mermaid would get you guys going quite this much? I know my husband would be all over this discussion right now, but that's okay. We'll move on and let you know this, by the way. Interesting little fun fact before we get to the bonus question about Ursula. You mentioned the sea witch, yep. Omen. Yep. Pat Carroll, who did a great job as the voice in the, in the animated film, was not the studio's first choice. Do you know who was? B. Arthur of one of my favorite shows and of course many other things but the golden girls and it's and, and inspired her agent wasn't into it inspired very much the character design was inspired very much by the famous drag queen divine who's yes that also. the star of many of the john waters movies wait did it that come out does. oh i guess it would have come out much later then yeah, it was 95 oh, okay. well when i was thinking of b arthur i was 92 earlier and then you said divine and that's you know 80s at least. Yeah, and for, somehow for we 91. have been on question number three for the past 35 <laughs> well, now you brought little John Mermaid. Waters into it, so I have more this to say. This is, in fact, a Little Mermaid podcast. But I will say this, it's also time for today's bonus question. And the rules for the bonus question are a bit different. Here's what we have in store. For this particular bonus question, you guys need to sing Under the Sea in its entire <laughs> Okay. The answer to the bonus question will be in the form of a number. The players probably won't know the exact answer to the bonus question, but that's okay. The idea is for them to give their best guess. At live Last Call Trivia shows, the top 50% of teams that get the closest to the exact answer win the bonus point. Our trivia team has to get within the range that the writing team was kind enough to set, and their answer must fall within that range for them to get the bonus point. Okay. The Disney film, The Little Mermaid, was released how many years after Hans mm-hmm. Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid was first published? Oh, this should be a soapwalk. So, DJ, you already identified that the film came out in 92. Even if that's not dead on, it's very, very close. It's either 91 or 92 because The Lion uh-huh. King came out in 93 and Little Mermaid immediately preceded it. Yep, and I totally agree. I think you're, I think you're spot on. So Hans Christian Andersen, when do we place him early 1800s i want to say 
So the first thing that came to mind was 1846. I don't know why. And then I thought, that's way too late. I mean, I feel like he's earlier than we think. So then I thought maybe 1786 to account for... Well, let's think of some of his other properties. Maybe that helps. Like, for example, he wrote The Steadfast Tin Soldier. So we know that tin soldiers were a common childhood experience during his lifetime. Which puts us firmly in the realm of the Franco-Prussian War, I think. Right. I'm thinking it's got to be post-Napoleonic era for sure, right? Because that's when you would see tin start to being used for toy soldiers. So that's right around, what, 1825, 1830? Yeah, somewhere in there. I would say 1830 is probably a pretty comfortable bet. Okay, I don't so... think he was as early as the 1700s. So if we did 1992 versus 1832, that's 160 years later. I like that. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable guess. I, I like that number, too. Should we have it right on the nose there, or is there any benefit to, is... to making it 59 or 61? I, I mean, I whatever the range is, if we're close, then I think we'll probably land it. It's possible that we miss it by a couple of years, but you know, I think that's a relatively low risk. I'd wager that the range is probably at least 20 years here. So unless we're on the very outside of it, we're, we're probably good. Okay, but if, if you were going to, you'd push it later... You know, because he could have written about it any time after, but not before. So if it were 1842, years? that's 150 years. So we don't want to go... A, sure. Why don't we say 159? <laughs> uh, Let's split the difference. 155. Love it. Sold. Okay. Sold. 155. Sure. It, it, oh, man. The, the Disney film, <laughs> The Little Mermaid was released how many years after Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid was first published? You guys say 155. The answer? 152. What? Yes. So you certainly get that bonus point as we were looking for anywhere in between 132 and 172. All your deliberations were firmly within that range that would have gotten you the bonus point. James, might I ask, surely you have in front of you what year it was published? Because if we remember, the first year that I said was 1846. And based on your number, it's got to be pretty close to that. 1837. That was the year I was born. Wait, <laughs> 1837? Yes. Oh, not as close as I thought. We can move on. <laughs> 1837. And then Little Mermaid actually came out 1989. Oh, that's the... Fact. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I must be thinking of Beauty and the Beast that came out in 91 or 92 then. Yep. So, okay. Very nicely done. Get to the bonus point and take you on to round number two. The questions in the second round are themed to a specific topic, which for this episode is numbers. Oh! And in this round, the point wager options have updated to two, five, or seven points, but those aren't even the numbers that factor into the question. You'll see. Two, five, or seven are the wager options for round number two. And just like the first round, like you heard, the team can only use each wager amount once here in this second round. The categories for round number two, again, within the theme of numbers, are candy, places, and music. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Candy, places, and music. So let's start in on the candy question. Composed of caramel, 
peanut, and almond nougat, what candy bar is known for its trademark outwardly white fudge cover? Three minutes. Okay, so I can't think of a candy bar that has an outwardly white fudge cover, but think it's got to have a number in the title. So the candy mm-hmm. bars that have numbers, the 100 grand bar. Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the answer. Pretty sure it's the Fifth Avenue bar. They have a white fudge chocolate what is it what they what they i've never even seen one (laughs) they're gross i can't stand them and i'm pretty sure this is the reason why i don't like white chocolate fudge and then the outward white fudge cover yeah white fudge it didn't isn't that illegal well, because think about the other nougat candy bars. Charleston Chew, you've got the... Oh, that's the, a fine obvi- candy bar. You know, Charleston Chew's a... The great taste of Charleston Chew! To mimic <laughs> Nixon. Yes. Nixon's in head in Futurama. <laughs> but yeah, there's a Big Hunk, which is like a white sheath of disgustingness. But it's got nuts and it's, you know, but it doesn't have a number in the name. There's only a few that really have have numbers, and I'm pretty sure that the Fifth Avenue bar is the one that's absolutely disgusting and meets the description that James provided. Is there a bar that is called like an like absolute zero or zero zero thing zero taste? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a bad marketing name. That would but. be like calling a car a Nova. Sub sub zero zero taste. I can't think of something of a candy bar with zero in the name. No, me neither. I'm trying to think of the other. So Snickers, Keyway, name, they have nougat. Three, let's oh, name three, it. No, Three Musketeers is chocolate, chocolate. Oh, that's so, a good yeah. one, though. Yeah. Let's name every number and see if there's a bar that corresponds well, to it. Well, while you guys were talking <laughs> about how disgusting it was, I was running through the numbers in my head and caught up to the 50s and couldn't come up with anything else. I think the 100 grand is chocolate on the outside, so I'm pretty sure that it's not disgusting i'm pretty sure it's the fifth avenue there is a dessert called a millionaire cake millionaire Not a short, candy bar m- millionaire shortbread yeah all right fair. Well, last call that was fun uh, so we, i think i think the fifth avenue bar is is where we're landing do we want to split the difference again on this one five like we points did with my on time? fifth avenue sure why not oh five yeah five points on fifth avenue james and may we never have to suffer through eating one five i've never even on seen fifth one in a avenue. store Composed of caramel, peanut, and almond nougat, what candy bar is known for its trademark outwardly white fudge cover? For five points, you guys say the Fifth Avenue bar. The answer? Zero. (gasps) No! Oh, no! (laughs) James, you are kidding, aren't you? I'm not. I'm actually not. <laughs> never heard it's of it. It's a white wrapper with like a blue writing. I think I've never had one before. I've never, Didn't heard even, never even seen one. I feel like I've seen it at the gas station, but never really had any interest. By the way, Fifth Avenue Bar, you're shortchanging it. It's just a peanut crisp and chocolate. It's fine. It, there's nothing wrong with the Fifth Avenue <laughs> it's Bar. It's fine. Uh, well, it's not the one that I was thinking of. I must have been thinking of the big hunk with its disgustingness. So I just want to point out that you all laughed at my idea that there was a candy bar with the name Zero in it. Yes, because it's True, insane. It's insane. I had to also, keep a straight face. Also, I'm not going to throw shade at the writers, but I am going to challenge them because Zero is not, in fact, a number. It is literally oh the absence Here of numbers. So hashtag pedantic. Question, please. 
challenge. Is Sheldon Cooper over here or something? GJ, can I get a, Can I get a ruling from the judges, please? Why don't you battle it out with the Venetian traders of the 12th century? I want our points back. That's all I'm saying. So uh, the Venetians. Omen, Omen, I apologize. I have never heard of this. Concoction. I must have. Yeah, I must neither. have seen well, it. Well, one of the reasons that you guys may never heard of it is that I think it was more popular in the South. One of the things that it's famous for. I mean, many have called it just a Snickers bar that happens to have white chocolate on it. But it apparently, because of that coating, melts at a higher temperature. So it was popular to put in vending machines in locations that didn't have air conditioning. I mean, the Zero Bar came out in 1920. So before air conditioning, it would melt less fast than traditional chocolate covered candy. So it melts at a higher temperature. Gross. Right. Next up, <laughs> places. So you can find the luxury stores Dolce & Gabbana, Tiffany's, Cartier, and Salvatore Ferragamo mm. on what New York City street in between 49th and 53rd streets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is this the first time that this ever happened. Yes. <laughs> I love this moment so much that I am thrilled that it's recorded for posterity. I just cannot believe it. What are the odds? So, so I used to. Are we I, gonna... Yeah. But, but first, I just can't first, believe it. Let's take a little walk down memory lane. I, I worked at Hunter College on the Upper East Side. And it was right on Park Avenue, and it was not so far from this particular street. And I, I remember I would, I, for fun, I would walk on this particular avenue, let's call it, and and just the feeling that I was a trash human was so overwhelming. Is it because, because you were eating a zero candy bar? I, I, wish, I wish I could have afforded one. But just seeing the people who shop at those stores, they were the spectacle in themselves. I also saw a cape. And I've never fallen so in love so fast with a garment in my life and just been like, wow, wow, I need a Gucci cape in my life and I can't have one and I'm mad about it. That's a statement. If that, I mean, because I'm sure you've fallen in love with many a cape upon first sight. And if that's the one, then it's a bold statement, Omen. You know when it's love, Kelly. (laughs) I've been infatuated with many capes. So, whereas we bet Fifth Avenue on the previous question and got both the answer and the point value of zero, Ooh. shall we... Wow. That's ironic. Yeah. I'm shall just, we bet just saying. Fifth Avenue on this question and get um, a positive point value? I think we, we should. And I think we should bet seven points on Fifth Avenue. The and street, not the candy bar. I don't think it matters, really. You know, it's the answer is the answer. Places, places, everyone. You can find the luxury stores Dolce and Gabbana, Tiffany's, Cartier, and Salvatore Ferragamo on what New York City street in between 49th and 53rd streets? You guys say for seven points, Fifth Avenue. And that is the answer. Fifth Avenue is correct. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, Fifth Avenue first appeared on New York's maps in 1811. It started off as a country road to Yorkville, up there, north, up in Bronx or north of the Bronx, and soon became a grand boulevard, as well as the social spine of New York. In 1907, leading merchants and residents were worried about factories encroaching on the area, so they put up a Fifth Avenue association to guard against that kind of development, and it kind of solidified that area as a high-end shopping district. Wow. So, 
Wow. Uh, that's how we get to where we are today. And incidentally, I believe the candy bar of Fifth Avenue is actually named after a Fifth Avenue in a different city than New York. I don't believe it's named after the Fifth Avenue in New York City. Oh, okay. We'll have to have the team check on that, and then we'll get to that maybe as a little bonus at the conclusion of our game here. But first up, the next question, music. What Proclaimers song has the parenthetical title 500 Miles? Oh, my God. So I thought, I thought the title was 500 Miles, and now, okay, so I wake up. So the Proclaimers so is an Australian. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be the man who's, so I think it's I'm going to be. I'm pretty sure that it is. I'm going to be, and then parentheses, 500 Miles. Yeah. The yep. Proclaimers are an, an Australian rock band, I believe. Oh, I, I thought, thought they, they were, were British. I thought they were like yeah, Scottish, British. British they're, something. They're from, from the UK, world. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever heard just the backing track, like just the the harmony track being sung on that song? It's very, very amusing. No. What is it? It's just really funny to oh, listen why? to. Because because, well, because you because you hear a guy reacting you hear a guy saying saying Kazawa <sighs> Oh, I'm, I'm running through the lyrics in my head just to make sure that I'm going to be is what it is. So when is, I wake up, yeah, I know I'm going to be. I'm going to be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, when I go out, I know I'm going to be. I'm going to be there. When I get drunk, I'm going to be. I, I don't think it could be anything else other than I'm going to be. Yeah, could it be? I'm going to be. It, I, I've I'm seen the be title a ton of man. times. It's I'm going to be, parentheses, 500 miles. Have either of you done this song at karaoke? Oh yeah, You're, I have that, a really great dance on Yeah. Oh yeah, I bring the house down with that song. Not gonna lie. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I. For everyone listening, that mental image, especially if you've never seen what I look like, hashtag You're welcome. James, I think we should put two chumbas wumba on. <laughs> I'm gonna be. Wow. I love that. That's a deep cool. cut right there, Mr. Thomas Sade. Well done. A proclaimer's song that has the parenthetical title 500 Miles. You guys say, for two points, I'm going to be. That is the answer. I'm nice. going to be. Yes. Good job, Kelly. 500 Miles. And they're Scottish, by the way. Oh, Scottish. Scottish. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. I knew they were But it actually became culture. a hit. The song was used in the 1993 movie Benny and June, yes. which started, which starred Johnny Depp and Mary Stuart Masterson. So, yeah, and Aiden Quinn. Thank you. Put some respect on my man, Aiden Quinn. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize for not including Aiden Quinn, of course. And that takes us to our final question of the game. It's a multi-part question. It's also the only question today that our team can actually lose points on. This is how it goes. The trivia team will have to decide whether or not they want to wager five points or zero points, but they have to get every portion of the final correct in order to earn those points. Furthermore, they can lose the five, they will lose the five, if they decide to wager it and they get the answer wrong in any way. It's a multi-part question. Every part has to be correct. And I'll give them five minutes to decide on their answer. Before we get to that, let's give the team an update on where their score currently stands through the first seven episodes of Parliament Number 4, and Parliaments are just groupings of ten episodes. Through the first seven episodes, the team's average final score is 22.3. Right now, the team has 20 points. Mm. 
Ooh. So keep that in mind when you're deciding whether or not you want to wager those five points. And that's, of course, out of a total max score of 30. Here's the final question. What's next? Given each category, name what comes next alphabetically. <laughs> okay. okay. Given what comes next, each category alphabetically. Number one, state capitals. Helena, Honolulu. Next, U.S. presidents. James Monroe, Richard Nixon, and number three, American Kennel Club dog breeds, German long-haired pointer, German pincher, and finally, Ivy League schools, Brown, Columbia, and so again, to recap, what's next alphabetically? State capitals, Helena, Honolulu, U.S. Presidents, James Monroe, Richard Nixon, AKC dog breeds, German long-haired pointer, German pincher, rounding it out, Ivy League schools, Brown, Columbia, Team, take it away. Okay, so I've got two out of the four, and I think we can suss out the other two. So let's start with state capitals. So we've got Helena Honolulu. Can you guys yeah. beat Indianapolis? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I. I cannot so, beat Indianapolis. Something that's either late in the H's or early in the I's. Do you, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, Omen. You know what I mean? I I do know what you mean. Okay. I'm trying to think of state oh, okay. capitals and also the alphabet at the same time. At the same time? Neither okay. of which are my strengths. Is the other one that you have the president? No. Because so I'm pretty sure I've got that one. Sus. Okay, what do you have? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Obama. I don't think that there's another N after Nixon. So L-M-N-O-P. I believe it would be Barack Hussein Obama. Okay. Kennel Club... I went with German Shepherd because I think the next one is going to be German Short-Haired Pointer, and that's after alphabetically, and I can't think of another German that I would had be Shepherd. between I had, P I had the and same, S. same reaction. Okay, so for Ivy League, I've got Cornell because yep. the next one is going to be Dartmouth, and then the right. other ones are going to be Princeton, Harvard, Yale, UPenn, and that's yep. the eight. So yep. I'm pretty sure about Cornell, pretty sure about German, Shepard. I go with you on Obama. So let's suss well, out the... I can, I can go through the president, all of the presidents in order of their, their first term. Okay, so, run through super fast. Washington, we'll Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, Adams, Jackson, Van Buren, Harrison, Tyler, Polk, Taylor, Fillmore, Pierce, Buchanan, Lincoln, Johnson, Grant, Hayes, Garfield, Arthur, Cleveland, Harrison, McKinley, Roosevelt, Taft, Wilson, Harding, Coolidge, Hoover, Franklin, Roosevelt, Harry Truman, Dwight D. Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Obama, Trump. Perfect. Obama. Okay. So let's, let's do the same thing with state capitals. All I know how to do is like do it geographically. So Washington is what, Olympia? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Oregon is Salem or Portland or something. It's not Salem. a Salem. Salem. It's Salem. Uh, California is Sacramento. Up to yep. Idaho. Oh, Idaho. Is it Boise? It's not, uh, is it, yes. it's not Idaho Falls. Are we sure it's not it's Idaho not Falls? It's not Idaho Falls. It's not. No, it's not Idaho it Falls. It could be Coeur d'Alene. It's not Coeur d'Alene. Okay. So, but it's not Idaho Falls because that would put us ahead of Indianapolis. It's not Idaho Falls. Okay. So under that is going to be Wyoming is going to be Cheyenne. No. Colorado, Denver. What, what's the capital of Colorado? Colorado Springs, Denver, something. I, I think Indianapolis is good. I'm good with Indianapolis. Okay, well, we have time, so I'm going to keep going through the states. Um, going. <laughs> are you going to help? Or are you just going to look at me? <laughs> We're just going to look at you. Like, I'm not seeing a lot of activity. What's, what's after Colorado, Kelly? Okay, so there's the four. Utah, Salt Lake City, <laughs> no. Arizona and New Mexico. Santa Fe, Albuquerque, Arizona, Phoenix, so no. Texas, Austin or Houston or something. So, no. Oh, Houston. Is Houston the capital of Texas? Houston is not the capital of Texas. Is Austin the capital of Texas? I think it's San Antonio. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's what? San Antonio. Are you serious? Yes. That's where the Alamo is. Yeah. Really? It, yeah. it is it is where the Alamo is, yes. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, pretty, you think it's the I'm pretty sure that the, the Houston, capital of Texas is San Antonio. Because Houston would put us ahead of Indianapolis, so this is important. But I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the capital. Even it's though Sam capital. Houston is a guy who founded yes. something? It's not it's not the capital yeah, but, of San Antonio but, but is the capital. But remember you have to remember the Alamo, Kelly. Okay. Okay. Oklahoma City, Kansas, Topeka, Nebraska, Omaha. That sounds right. Okay. We did Montana and Wyoming. So North and South Dakota, uh, Bismarck or Fargo, and Pierre is South Dakota, so they're not it's not that. You know, it's not San Antonio, it is Austin. Just, just, just came to me. I'm flying to Austin later this year, and it just came to me that. As long as you're it's sure it's not Houston, that's all it's that matters. Definitely not Houston. Houston. It's Austin. Houston. Okay, it's so Austin. I think we got. We're, we're getting last call. I think we got to put the five points on. So yes, Indianapolis, points. Obama, German Shepherd, Cornell. Boom! Drop the Boom. mic. Boom! Let's do it, and let's wager them's points. Yep. <clears throat> Okay, you're going to wager those points. We're Omen, do you know in. how upset you were when the zero became a candy bar? That's how <laughs> upset I'm going to be if Houston is the capital of Texas. Houston's not the capital. <laughs> it's going to feel like we're walking on knives for the rest of the evening. That's, That's right. It's All right, like. well, It's going to feel again, like we're nice walking reference. 500 miles. <laughs> on knives. So just for the fun of it, just for the drama of it, I'm going to leave number one. Yeah, of course you are. Gonna do that. U.S. presidents is where we'll start. James Monroe, Richard Nixon, what's next? Barack Obama. And by Yay. the way, we know the team's wagering the five points, so we're gonna lock that in. We did that. James Monroe, Richard Nixon, Barack Obama. One leg down, three to go. AKC dog breeds. German long-haired pointer. German pincher. What's next? Turning the page here. German Shepherd. Yes. Shepherd. I can't speak right now. <laughs> German Shepherd, you were right. So now Ivy League schools, that's not how they talk, teach you to talk there in them Ivy League schools. <laughs> Brown, Columbia, Cornell. Nice. Well, so you guys were right on at that. at them Ivy League schools, they don't teach you what is the capital of Texas or we wouldn't be stuck on this issue. Here we go. State capitals, Helena, Honolulu, 
Indianapolis is yes. next. And that oh. means you guys got the final. You secure oh. the five points. Very nicely done. Wait, oh, man, did no, I want it to be Houston. Most importantly, what's the capital of Texas? It's Austin. 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 I've been Austin. there. Our team grandma's happy hour had a final score today of 25 out of a total possible 30 points. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share today's episode. If you're looking for more trivia fun, head over to lastcalltrivia.com. Check out our live shows, private events, trivia card game, and more. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Last Call Trivia Podcast. Until then, stay curious. Correct that the state capital of Texas is Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, but you were also on the right track with saying that, oh, Houston is somebody who did a thing. <laughs> well, I knew that Houston was somebody who did a thing. I just didn't know if it rose to the level. Well, you know, well, state capitals are determined for different reasons. So, it, you know. Yeah, that's right. Know. In in Indianapolis, it was the only city in Indiana. And the <laughs> Austin is named after Stephen F. Austin, who is called the father of Texas. And he was somebody who I believe was a big proponent of moving people into that territory. He led a big settlement of people from the East Coast. To this is me and Chris in front of the Texas State House in Austin. Oh! Our party. I really like that bonus question because if it's something you don't know off the top of your head, in theory, it is something that you can suss out if you have enough time. And in theory, if you know what the capital of Texas is, you know, you have a way to figure it out. Like everybody can name states. Everybody can name presidents. You know, you, you've, you've got a way into the question. Well, you guys, I think, are sometimes we do better, like, you know, the quirky or like the off the beaten path type stuff, I think, can sometimes trip you up. But that was just like a solid, like, are you smart people final, I feel Gen- like. General so as knowledge. As soon as I put that out there, I was like, oh, we're screwed. They're going to get this one. I know they're going to get this one. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys had it right away. Kelly was interested in taking the full time. That's why she wanted to show off with her capitals knowledge and so on and that so forth. That was no. But DJ you- was showing off by listing in rapid fire every single president. <laughs> Kelly was struggling to, number one, name the states in the geography of the map. That's this true. is the DJ only reason did, that DJ, DJ wanted to first. let it go on. To be like, DJ yeah. should get my weird skill of being able to recite all the presidents in order came of their first election. Once. is Yeah, came, actually was useful. You know, now they'll give us the antidote because we've hit our average. So that's, you know, another week to live. It's great. A couple things I just wanted to point out really quick, by the way very much enjoyed one of the lines from DJ on this particular episode. It's not Idaho Falls. It's not Idaho <laughs> Falls. That was one of my favorites. And then uh, there was two that I can't quite decide between for Omen. Of course, use of I'm Every Woman, I thought was just great. But he also said, I've been infatuated with many capes. I just wanted to point oh, that no, out. Well, but that was, that was not line. a surprise. Kelly, you'll be what? interested to know that <laughs> yes. the, at one time, the capital of Texas was Houston. Oh, wow. I thought so. You know what? Well, cool. The Republic of Texas has gone through several governments over the years.
Indeed it has. I, oddly enough, I knew that Idaho Falls wasn't the capital because I've been there. Do you want to know why I've been to Idaho Falls? Yes. I'm sure it's a spectacularly fascinating reason. <laughs> I, was, I was on a plane to somewhere else entirely, and we had to drop off a dead body in Idaho Falls. No, really? Oh That's actually pretty good. Yeah. As one does. Does somebody does. die on the plane? Apparently not, because I believe he was already... But this is the thing, like, I don't know why this wouldn't be scheduled otherwise or announced otherwise, but... They scanned his ticket, let him board the plane, put away his luggage, all without realizing he was dead, you are to have us believe? There's a real-life weekend at Bernie's. No, he, you know, I believe they removed him in, in a box of some sort, but that would imply to me that we knew before we took off that we had to stop in Idaho Falls, when in reality it seemed to be announced as a surprise that we had to stop at Idaho Falls. So The stewardess said, would you prefer peanuts or pretzels? And he said, oh, neither, thank you, I'm dead. <laughs> he said, as long as you don't drop me off in Curdaline. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> He said, it's not Idaho Falls. It's not Idaho Falls. It's not Idaho Falls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, look, please remember to like, subscribe, and Share. share this episode with your friends. You're always a welcome part of the team at this Last Call Trivia Podcast. 